presence to be full in this place as we want it to be, we've got to come in here expecting His presence to be here. We've got to come in here expecting to receive, expecting to get back, expecting to give back to God and do those things, and, and God will show up and meet the needs that we have in our life. Amen? Amen. Well, let's receive our offering this morning. Amen. Just read this right here. Just real quick while they're getting ready. Let me turn over to the right book and we'll read it. And he says in Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And my God, my God. We're going to start next week on a sermon entitled, But My God Is. And then it'll go into different things. My God can supply all my needs. We first got to realize who my God is. Is my God the God of creation? There's my God, my job, like we talked about. There's my God, my children, or my grandchildren, or my house, or my car, all this stuff. What's my God? The only one that can truly supply all of my needs is the, is the creator of mankind. And so we give as what he tells us to do. We give according to his word, according to his promise that we do, like we talked about, he's going to do for us when we give. And we do these things. So... So don't miss out on the blessing of God. And I'm not saying, I'm not by no means telling people you got to give this morning. This is what the Word of God says, and this is why we do it. All right? So, so let's, uh, let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your Word. We thank you for what you've already done in this service and moved in people's lives. And Father, as we already prayed this morning, that you move on all the hearts and lives this morning, that they'll be willing to, to let you move and work and, and meet needs and and God, answer prayers this morning in whatever manner it is. And we thank you for that. We pray for Pat this morning as he comes in a few minutes to share the word that you've given him. God, that he does it with boldness and clarity. And, and Father, we just open ourselves up to receive what you have for us this morning. God, we thank you for um, these tithes and offerings this morning that you just accept them. And Father, you just bless each and every one in here. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, all right. Well, there's children here. They can go to children's church this morning. No, there is. There's plenty of candy back there still. Y'all have at it. None of you's going home with me, so y'all have at it. But I am very thankful for the people that we have in this church that are willing to do what God's called them to do. Stand up here and share the word. Like we said before, it's not easy to do this. And it's not easy a lot of times because you know how you are. We all know how we are. I know how I am. And to stand up here in this, in this place and give what God wants me to say out is, is you have to check yourself every day. And so, so I do appreciate the calling on these men's lives and these people's lives that, that want to stand up here and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and what's in this word. So I, I challenge you this morning. Be challenged by the word of God. Listen intently. Receive this morning. As, and give Pat a hand as he comes. Good morning. Well, it is good to see everybody this morning. It's good to be here. Um, again, there's there's no better place than uh, obviously here to be. Um, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about um, the city of Babylon and and how it fell. Um, you know the title is uh, 
is uh, there is still hope. But I think we have to understand where our hope comes from uh, and, and what motivates us and what drives us. And I think history, uh, uh, knowing history and keeping up with history from a biblical standpoint, um, you know, does a lot of good uh, um, and helps motivate us, helps educate us, uh, helps us learn. I think uh, we constantly need to be uh, asking ourselves questions on, on how we can do better. Uh, and that's how can we do better. Uh, you know, and it's, you know, the statement Mark said about, you know, we're going to learn more about, and uh, his message is going to be about my God. Well, that's where we're going to end up today is my God. So from, uh, from an individual standpoint, we have to own and we have to understand who my God is. I mean, we have to be proud. We have to be bold. We have to understand what all God does uh, for us, but what all God can do to us. I mean, there is, there is gifts, there's, there's blessings, uh, there's grace, there's mercy, but there's also judgment. And I think in today's world, in today's nation, and even today's church, we have forgot about God's judgment. Um, and, you know, what better uh, topic to, to start with and, and to talk about is understanding what happened to Babylon. So how many of us know what happened to Babylon? I mean, it's easy. I mean, it failed. Uh, just like so many other cities fail. Um, it's more important to understand why it failed. And that's where I think we learn what we need to learn, and, and it can help shape us and, and grow us into being the Christians that we should enter and that we are called to be, is understanding just exactly why it failed. Understanding why uh, the similarities between Babylon and, and our nation, and not just our nation, but our world that we live in today. You know, um, relatively speaking, uh, the United States has a, a fairly short history. Um, but we also have to understand that what it was founded on. So what we were founded on was godly principles and godly beliefs and, and, and led uh, Christ-like. And now we have to look at where we're at today versus where we were at when we started. Yeah. Same thing with Babylon. It didn't, it didn't start off. It had many different avenues of what it did. And God even allowed them to do some pretty bad things uh, against uh, the people of Judah um, and, and, and destroying the city of Jerusalem. Uh, so, again, I think we're, we're naive when we, when we step back and we think that, that, you know, us as a nation, we're a Christian-based nation. Well, we're not the only Christian-based nation. But I think we've, we've got uh, led way astray from where we started off and to where we're at today. And I think that just as um, Mark was talking about my God, we have to understand what my God can do, what my God will do, what my God has always done, what my God has done in my life. But then we have to swap gears and figure out what can I do. And I think that's where the world is, is falling short today as we think, well, there's nothing I can do. Everybody you hear, um, you know, that they show through uh, the media and the news, uh, whether it's social media or whatever, when they're asked about what's going on in the world today, what can they do, very seldom do you hear mention of God. Right? Very seldom do you hear uh, anything positive or, or or uh, anything with uh, anything motivated towards what can I do? Most of them are, are set in their ways of saying, well, you know, there's nothing really I can do. You know, the world is what the world is. It doesn't matter what I do or what I say, nothing changes. So whoever's in the power on the left, whoever's in the power on the right, they're not solving the issues. And that's exactly right. But us individually can do something about that. It starts with us. Personally, it starts with the person that you look at in the mirror every morning when you go to bed or when you wake up and every evening when you go to bed. It starts with you. So if you can't manage yourself and you can't manage your family, then there's no way that we're going to have a positive outcome and do what God would have us do. So it all starts with ourselves and we can make a difference. So with Babylon, you know, basically they had, uh, and they had more than this, but we're going to go over um, 
several, several different ways they idolized um, to their demise. The first one we're going to look at is the idol of self-sufficiency. Uh, it says, Babylon believed that they were the greatest superpower of the world, that they had everything they needed. Uh, they did not rely on anyone or anything but worshipped their own greatness. I mean, does that sound familiar? I mean, it sounds real familiar. Revelations 18.7. It says, In the measure that she glorified herself and lives luck, lived luxuriously, in the same measure give her torment and sorrow, for she says in her heart, I sit as queen and I am no widow and will not see sorrow. I mean, is that not where we're at with our, with our nation? And even worldwide, is that not where we're at? We're, we're drunk on our own wine. Uh, we think that, that, that everything we have with the technology that we have, I mean, I've heard people say, well, you know, we're so much better today. We're so much smarter today with all the stuff we have. We're so much more efficient. So it's almost like we've, we've removed God because we no longer need Him. I mean, we got doctors that can fix everything. They can replace organs. They can do all these things, but they can't fix the soul. Right? I mean, we can even make people uh, different than what they are. But that's not fixing the soul. Uh, we don't rely on God for anything because now we, we rely on our government and we rely on what they tell us. We rely on what media feeds us and we believe and we take into all this thing. I mean, if nothing else, just look at the last two or three years of, of how we've been held captive by our own government. I mean, I was guilty of it. I was scared to death when they started talking about COVID. I mean, I think everybody was. Didn't know what to do. I mean, all I could think is I wanted my loved ones to be healthy. And, you know, I, I lined up and shot junk in me just like everybody else shot junk in them. Right? But at the end of the day, we need to understand where our strength comes from. We need to understand where, where, our, where, where our mental capabilities lie. We need to understand where our shortcomings are. We need to understand that our nation is not headed in the direction that we want it to head any longer. If you call yourself a Christian, if you proclaim to be a Christian, there's no way that you can say the nation today is headed in the right direction. That it's headed in any direction that will benefit God or us. Correct? There's no way that we can all come to agreement that we say that it is, it is headed in the right direction. So, it's kind of funny when you, when you, when you look up Babylon and one of the first statements that you'll see that they, that they talk about is that they're noted for their paganism, their idolatry. And you know, well, and people, they, they oversimplify things and they say, well, we're not really that way. We, we don't have those issues. But do we not have those issues? So we not, might not be pagan, but I want to talk about, are we? I mean, look at all the holidays that we celebrate and how we celebrate them. Right? Now, I'm big in saying, you know what, uh, Halloween is, is, is about fall. It's about, you know, uh, being thankful. It's about all these things. But we can get lost in it. But why can't we take it back? I mean, there's nothing wrong with dressing up. There's nothing wrong with, with having a good time. There's nothing wrong with, with laughing and, 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 and doing just exactly what we did last night. But there is something wrong when we start dabbling in, in, in different things and different spirits and, and different avenues. So again, I believe that we as Christians, with God leading us and God being the light and us being born again and led by the Holy Spirit, that we can take back a lot of the things that have been stolen from us. But again, look at this country and think how many different idols we have as a country. And they're all driven by power. Every bit of it. Greed, power, chaos, malice, destruction. I'm going to give you something and I'm going to tell you that it's for your own good. But is it? You know, I heard somebody say the other day that, that, that the, the world we live in, the nation we're in, the country we're in, that, that, you know, we have a double standard. And then I heard him say, well, you know what? I don't really think we have any standard. 
Is that not correct? And you know, where I heard it, I'm not a big fan of, but every now and then they say things that, that make sense and are true. Um, you know, they would probably listen to me and say that I don't make sense. And that's fine. But think about it. There is no standard. The standard is every cha- always changing. It's always a moving target. It's not a double standard. It's no standard at all. We live in an age where there's no common sense. There's no... There's, there's no thinking, there's no studying, there's no anything involved in anything we do. We rely solely on what that boob tube tells us, right? Right. I mean, everything that comes out of it. And, you know, some people say, well, you know, I listen to the conservative. Well, they lie just like the others. The only truth that you're ever going to touch in your life is the Word of God. And as soon as you make your mind up and understand that, the better off we'll all be. The better off that we'll be to the point that we can actually move as the body of Christ was meant to move. That we can start impacting the lives of everybody around us in the way that God would have us impact. Right? We don't have to wait on somebody to give us a magic pill. We don't have to wait on somebody to give us a stimulus check. We don't have to wait on somebody to give us a vaccine. We don't have to wait on anything because God is what all we need. God serves and fixes and heals everything about us. And at the very worst, at the very worst, child of God, if something happens to you, you live in eternity with God. We need to learn to keep our fear in check. We need to learn to live with boldness and with love and with power and with strength. Just like Mark was saying, you know, look at what my God has done. Look around you at what my God has done. Can He not take care of us? And at the very worst, the worst thing that's going to happen to a child of God is you're going to heaven. Right? I mean, we can all stand in church and we can talk about how that is, and I can say it real easy because there's nothing really hurting on me right now. You know, I don't have any anxiety hitting me today. I don't have no pains. I, I don't have a tightness in my chest. I, I'm breathing good. And so I can stand and stand and yell and, and, and come boldly. But we have to understand that we need to get our, our fear in check. We need to communicate. We need to encourage one another. We need to build one another up. That when I leave this world, I'm good. I can't be worried about what's going to happen with my kids and, and my wife and, and my parents and my grandparents and my aunts and my uncles. Know that when I leave this world, I'm gone. I'm going to be happy. But the thought of it is where we get hung up. The thought of it is where we get hung up. You know, I remember uh, when my mother was sick and she was on her deathbed, I asked her. And, of course, she didn't give me the answer that I wanted. And so, me and God had some issues with that because at that point in time, she was one of the most godly women I've ever met. And she was bold and she was courageous. And I looked at her as as 10 foot tall and bulletproof, but she was scared. But you know, since I've been saved, I pray every day, Father, give me the boldness to be strong. Give me the boldness to raise and to teach my children, not just my children, my family, but, but everybody around me to have the boldness to meet you eagerly. To meet you without fear. To stand and proclaim. I mean, think how that can impact the church today if we can meet God face to face and not in fear. And I'm telling you, it's easy for me to do it right now at this moment because there's nothing hurting on me. But you know what? I'm just like everybody else. When things start... You know, running crazy, my heart starts racing, and I'm like, oh my Lord, I'm not 25, and then all the stuff that I've did my whole life that for some reason or another I hadn't had to pay for just yet. You know, all that starts running through me. Well, you know, you've done so much mess, uh, you know, that's the wonder your heart ain't blowed up. Or you've drank so much alcohol, it's a wonder your liver ain't, ain't, ain't pickled, black, done, starved, kidney shut down. But again, I think we need to get past and move on toward away from that fear. The next one is the idol of comfort. It says Babylon was clothed in luxury and wealth. They had no need for God. The promises uh, that are massed in abundance, never honoring God or caring for the needs of others. 
uh, Revelation 18, 14 through 17. It says, The fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you, and all the things that which are rich and splendid and have gone from you, and, and shall you find them no more at all. The merchants of these things who became rich by her will stand at a distance for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that, that was clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour such great riches came to nothing. Every shipmaster, all who traveled by the ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, stood at a distance. <clears throat> so again, we, we, we look at, at the nation that we live in. We look at um, all the things that we've, we've accomplished. We, we look at all the things that, that we've amassed. We, we're, we're, we're looked at and, and, and we're envied by everybody around us. Everybody wants to come. Everybody. Everybody wants to do things like what we do. We have freedoms that no other place has, but with those freedoms comes responsibility. And with those freedoms... Um, comes consequences a lot of times. Uh, the third is the idol of, of secession. Revelations 18, 3, it says, Babylon had the worship of all nations around it. Everyone wanted uh, what Babylon and, and could not see the immorality and the sin that they were indulging in. So Revelations 18, say, uh, 3 says, For all the nations have drunk of the wine and the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. So again, everybody wants to be like us. They want to do what we do, but they don't see what's really going on. They don't see everything below the surface. They just see all the freedoms. Well, you know, an American can do whatever they want, how they want, when they want, why they want. And nobody's going to stand against them. Nobody's going to point anything out. Nobody's going to hold anybody accountable for anything. We have all this freedom. I can take what I want when I want. I don't have to work for it. I can work for it if I want. My neighbor can work for whatever they want, and I can go over and get what my neighbor's got. I mean, is that not the way, and is that not the, the direction we're going? And it's all for our own good, Right? I can go to college, I can get degrees, and I don't have to pay it back. But you have to pay it back. Or you have to pay it back. Or you have to pay it back. But I don't have to pay nothing. I mean, is that really what we want? I mean, look, every behind every evil uh, moment, there is something that is, is painted as good. I mean, the Bible talks about things that, that are that... And calling and saying they ain't and, and so on and so forth. But this is not where we want to be. I mean, I know it looks good, you know. Nobody's going to have no bills. Nobody's going to owe anything. Nobody's going to do this. Nobody's going to... Is it possible? I mean, I look at my own finances. You know what? If I don't go to work, I don't do nothing. I mean, really? Is, is there something more complicated than that? So we're going to run a whole nation... A whole country off of puppy dogs and sunshine? Really? I mean, you know, I might have this interest, but I don't care what you've got. The government's going to tell you what you're going to do. It don't matter what you like. It's what they want. Again, with a lot of these freedoms and a lot of these things we're talking about, there's huge amounts of responsibility that goes along with them that we've been ducking out on. For so long. And this is not a political statement. This is a God statement. I mean, anybody says that, that politics has no, no uh, use in religion, they're right. It doesn't. But religion has every bit to do with our politics. Right? I mean, look at all the immorality that's going on in our nation. What all has happened? What, I mean, do we understand what percentage... Of, of sin is actually trying to lead this nation the way it's going. I mean, we're talking about a very, very minute, a single-digit number percentage. And our whole nation 
is steering us in the wrong direction. Now, how can that be? How can that be if 75 or 80 percent of the nation are, are claimed to be Christian and claim to have evangelical uh, uh, mindsets? How can we be so astray? How can we be so far to the left? How can we be so wrong? I think if you go back and look at the history of Babylon, then you would start understanding more and more. And not just Babylon, but look at Egypt. At some point in time, we as the body of Christ have to decide we no longer want to be a puppet. You know, so long has, has the world been using that, that love one another, uh, love, love my neighbor as thyself, and they're using that against us. I want you to think about it, and I want you to simplify it. So if you've got kids, do you let your kids do just whatever they want? All right, so do you do that out of love? Or do you do that just for the heck of it? I mean, we correct our children because we love them. We correct our children because we want them to be healthy. We want them to be uh, productive. We want them to be uh, always growing. We want them to be uh, motivated. We want them. We want them to be to be in the house of the Lord. We want them to be uh, in a place where they can experience eternity with God. That's why we do the things we do. So, if 80% of the nation is really what they say they are, then why does the nation look like it is? It's because it's a lie. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. Uh, The fourth one is uh, the idol of church persecution. It says, Babylon of the Old and New Testament persecuted the followers of God, just as Jesus told Paul in Acts 9, that uh, the Christ followers would be persecuted just as Jesus would. So, Revelation 18.24, it says, "In in her was found the blood of prophets, saints, and, and of all who were slain on the earth. We might not be coming under any physical harm at this point. Because we're in such a financial disarray, we can be controlled by money. Right? I mean, so at work, they tell you you can't stand and proclaim and do certain things, right? Uh, Because you might offend somebody or you might be, uh, uh, you know, go against their beliefs. At what point are we going to stand up and say, I'm no longer taking it? You know, by not doing anything, you're offending me and my beliefs. I mean, I want you to think about it. I mean, think about how gradual this has all come about. And I've heard many people complain, you know, about, well, it started when they took prayers out of school. It started long before that. That's just a byproduct of how long this has been going. But the fact that we live in a country that it is no longer allowed, and the reason it's not allowed, and how they police it is they'll just pull back some of the money. Right? So at some point, coming very quickly and very rapidly, they're going to try to shut Victory Fellowship up or First Baptist or First United or or the Church of Christ simply by... Money. Yanking statuses, adding statuses, adding raising the tax burden, raising the percentage. I mean, think about what's happened just uh, in the last couple of years. Think about the increase uh, of taxes on an upper level income. Think about the tax increase of a corporation or a company. And everybody goes, well, good, that's what they should do. They should tax everybody. Do you want a job? Do you want a job? Everybody's quick to jump on all this stuff. Well, yeah, all the rich should be paying their share. And I agree, they should. 100%. But when's the last time we were honest on our tax returns? Huh? 
How, how thin do we try to stretch that? Well, you know, I got these work tools and these work clothes and these work boots. and I ain't never seen any work boots that look like Air Jordans. Come on. Tools. Dang, I thought all that went in the, in the cabinet for kitchen utensils. Now, I know I look like it's, it's a job to feed me, but it's pretty easy. It is, you just shovel it in. But that's called a fork, not a shovel. But, I mean, think about it. All these things going on, we are being persecuted. You can say you're not all you want. If you're not, then something's wrong. If you're not offended by God's Word, then something's wrong. You know, we were talking about it Wednesday night with the young folk. And I said, do you know how many times I get offended? And I said, that's not every time. Because if I got offended every time I went to church, then there's even more wrong with me. I'm, I'm so far off that track that, that I'm, I'm dealing with other issues. But God's Word is offended. If we're always growing, we're always trying, we're always moving in the direction God would have us to move, I mean, I'm not perfect yet. I think I can get to that point because the Bible tells me that I can. I don't say that, but the Bible tells me that I can be and I can do the same as Christ did. Was Christ perfect? He was perfect. So then why can't I be perfect? I'm working on it. But that's what we strive to do. Uh, the fifth uh, is idol of deception. Revelation 18:23, and it says, uh, Babylon deceived those who worshiped by them, allowing them to believe in their, their greatness and their full, and, and they were full of sin and immorality. Revelation 18:23. You not got it? I must have left it out. All right, 1823 says, the light, the light of the lamp shade shall not shine on you anymore, and the voice of your bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you anymore. For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery and all the nations were deceived. 24 says, And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints and, and all that were slain on earth. So again, it's about the idol of deception. Um, you know, we are so deceived. I mean, we, we say things are what they are. We, we say you can't love somebody and, and correct them at the same time. And we can't stand against something that, that God says is wrong because we're supposed to love everybody. That has nothing to do with it. And that is exactly right. We are to love everyone, enemies included. But it still has nothing to do with what God's Word tells us to do. But the world will say, you've got to shut up. You can't do it. I mean, we live in a time that everything is canceled. You know, we talked about this Wednesday night, too. So Phil Robertson, uh, you know, the Duck Dynasty, the show was canceled. Well, the media will tell you there's a million different reasons why they were canceled. Uh, and then they bring all the stories out about, you know, the infidelities, the uh, uh, the drug addictions, alcohol addictions, all this stuff. Well, I'm preaching the Word of God, and I can promise you, I was an alcoholic and I was a drug addict. So we all got skeletons in the closet. And these folks that's publishing all these stories, they got skeletons in the closet too. But why they got canceled is because Phil quoted something from the Bible. So what he quoted from the Bible was what God said. And then the media took it and twisted it up and chewed it up and spit it out. Now, since then, you know, Phil said, well, you know, that's actually my belief. But he didn't ask me my belief. He asked me what I live by. And I told him this is what I live by. So, again, we're persecuted. We're deceived. Uh, we're we're, the world is not for us. But also, if we're not careful, God's judgment, we're going to have to live through that too. So there is still hope right now at this moment. 
that we can turn this thing around, that we don't have to live through that, just like the people of Jerusalem lived when they were hauled off captive to Babylon. And I think that's what we need to understand. We need to start thinking and changing maybe our thoughts, maybe our prayers. Maybe it's time that we pray kind of like David. Maybe it's time that we say, hey, God, take this world. You take it. Fix it. Do what we need to do. I mean, do we understand how, how powerful that, that prayer could be? If we all prayed it, we all believed it, if we could get that 70 or 80 percent that, that claimed to be where they claimed to be uh, in that direction. Now, where the hope lies is, is, is our first step is renounce sin. Right? It says, Nebuchadnezzar worshipped his own greatness. He ordered the people of Babylon to bow down and worship the golden statue he created. Daniel told the king to turn away from his sins and, and do what is right. And the king was sent away for seven years, and his kingdom was taken from him. And he was humbled and praised God for turning him away, turning him away from his sins. And that's exactly right. He did come back. Daniel 4.23 or 4.27 says, Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sin by being righteous in your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. Perhaps. The only absolute in that is change your ways. Turn away from your sins. Repent. You want something different in your life? Stop. Turn around. Turn from it. Repent from it. When's the last time you heard anybody talk about repenting from anything? Well, I'm not sorry for that. They deserve what they got. Really? I deserve what I got. As a child of God, we deserve what God says He wants to give us. He wants us to prosper. He wants us to, to be better. He wants us to have everything that we need. Not necessarily what we want. Second way is honoring God. We've talked about this a bunch. Daniel 5, 23. Um, we talk about honoring God. Honoring God with everything. With your mind, your body, your soul. I mean, if we were so focused on honoring God for everything that, that we do and how we did everything, and then honoring God in everything we do, things would be a whole lot different. It says, And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your Lord, your, your wives, your concubines, concubines, that's a good one, have drunk wine for them. And you were praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath, I want you all to listen to this, and the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. See, we've been convinced that we have nothing. We have been convinced that we're poor. We have been convinced that we're broken down. We have been convinced of all these things. But as a child of God, you're none of those things. I know we live in a world that says that you can't do this and you can't do that. And diesel's going to be out, what, two weeks, three weeks, five weeks. Whatever it is, well, guess what? We'll adapt and overcome. But until we take this country back, until we take this nation back, until we allow God to lead that charge and we put God in control of that charge and we glorify God in all that we do and we honor Him in all that we do, then we're going to have issues, right? I mean, there's no hatred in it. So you don't have to hate somebody to stand against what they're trying to make you believe, what they're trying to make you think. I mean, who in their right mind would ever thought that it had been a good idea to give an eight-year-old an iPhone? But how many of us done it? I mean, who thought it? Now, I want you to flash forward a little bit a few years. How many adults have been in trouble with their iPhone? Huh? I mean, how easy is it to go places you shouldn't go. Folks, are we, are we raising our children to honor and to glorify God? 
to bring praise to Him in everything we do? Or are we just conforming to what everybody else is doing? Are we letting Him tell Him, well, you know, you went to church this morning, so you're glorifying God. There's some truth in that, but if that's all you're doing, then you're backing up. Come on. I mean, you know, we talk about it on Wednesday night and a half for years. You know, with the teenagers and now the young adults. I ask them, and of course I ask myself, and I fail at it sometimes quite a bit. But I ask them, I say, so how much effort is given to God compared to what effort you give to everything else? That's a good question for us adults. How many of us give as much effort to going and work and making money as we do to learning God's Word and glorifying Him and praising Him and teaching others of Him? Those are the questions we need to ask. Because guess what? That may be our Babylon. Maybe that's where it's at. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's next month. Maybe it's next year that God says, you know what, I've had enough. You know, Russia, China, North Korea, whoever, start slinging missiles. God can stop it, but He can also order it. I mean, at what point does God look at our nation and go, you know what, they're so sick, they're so perverse, they're so backward, they're making boys into girls and girls into boys, You know, they're killing babies at an alarming rate. They're divorcing just like people change underwear. And not just outside in the world, but in the church. There's no difference. God has called us to be a peculiar people. He has called us to serve Him and Him alone. So what are we serving? Are we honoring? Are we praising Last way we can we can have a turnaround is be kind to the oppressed. So how many of us know who the oppressed are? I mean, you know, they use words like poor and all this stuff, but really we're all oppressed to some degree. Can we not be kind to one another? How many times have we been kind when we seen somebody at church, and then when we seen them at the ball game, we wasn't kind, right? I mean, and that's really, I mean, that's, that's one of the main things that destroyed all the nations that's been destroyed. As God looked down and he said, man, y'all, y'all treated these folks terribly. I mean, you killed them, you raped them, you pillaged. I mean, you treated them worse than animals. Right? So look at what we do. I mean, when's the last time you helped anybody? When's the last time anybody helped you? When's the last time you went out of your way? When's the last time you run? How many of us have been in Walmart and we see somebody walking down the aisle and we go, Oh my God, there they come. <laughs> huh? I've never done that. I mean, I have. We've all been guilty of it. But again, we have to back up from there. Go to uh, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Everybody knows it. It says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law of the prophets. On these two. Now everybody goes, Well, you know what? I love God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. Really? I mean, I want you to think about it. Um, so we'll have to back it up a little bit. So you're married, you're married, first year you're married. So do you love God in the same way and greater than what you loved your wife the first year you was married? Huh? What about your first child that was born? What about the second child, the third child? Do you love God in a greater capacity, in a greater way than you love your kids? 
Is that your Babylon? Has that always been your Babylon? Which might be why you gave your kid an iPhone at 8. And then expect them to do right. I mean, we have to think about these things because we humanize everything we do. Because there's some ways that God has that we're not ever going to understand. But I promise you, we won't understand them if we're not searching for them. Even the simplest things we're not going to understand. Why do you think there's so many parables? So the Old Testament is not a whole lot. New Testament full of them. But don't you think, hey, God's like, think, look, study. Now, a lot of it is black and white, and there's not a whole lot of thinking about it. It is what it is. So if you were coaching a team, or maybe you were, uh, you know, had a group, and um, you were going to go compete in some kind of musical event or whatever, would you not want the best? I mean, if I walked in and said, you know what, I'm going to join this group. I played saxophone 35 years ago. I still remember. It's like a bicycle. You don't forget. And I might. I wouldn't that, that session, I'm sure, and probably wouldn't 20 more after. But do you think they would pick somebody to play that saxophone that ain't played in 35 years, or they'd pick somebody that's played that saxophone yesterday? Same thing in sports. I mean, you know, you're going to have a fishing team. You got three or four guys come up and says, "Hey, I won't be on the fishing team." And one of them says, "Well, you know, I I never fished." Another guy says, "Well, you know, I fished a couple of times last year." And then one of the guys said, "Well, you know what? I fish every day. Which one are you gonna get?" Yeah. So again, if we're loving God with everything in us, we have to think about everything in us you have to ask yourself do i love him as much as i love my job do i love him as much as i love my paycheck do i love him as much as i love my wife or husband do i love him as much as i love my kids do i love him as much as i love my bass boat or my bow or you know my favorite rifle or you know whatever my motorcycle my UTV, my go-kart, my big screen TV, my surround system, whatever the case is. Do you devote that same amount of effort? Do you, do, do you devote even remotely that effort? So, you know, we talk about tithing a lot. And, you know, tithing, you're supposed to tithe 10%, right? So how many of us give 10% of our time? See, we, we've done this quiz on Wednesday nights for years now. You'd be amazed if you sat down and figured out what time you actually spent giving to God that it's nowhere near 10%. I mean, a, a Sunday morning, a Wednesday night. I mean, even back when churches went on Sunday night. Some of them do, some of them don't. But even if you figure in that extra day, you know, when you go on Sunday night, single digits, low single digits. So we're not even doing that. And you say, well, it's not, I don't have time. I don't have time. Don't have time. Time is what you make it. I never understood it as a young man because that's what I said all the time. I ain't got time. I ain't got time. I even said it a little bit. As older man, I ain't got time. Yeah, you got time. You do. You got time to do what you want to do. Last verse, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You ain't got this, and I, I got it. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. Everybody knows it. And this is where we'll stop. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Right? That's what He has for us. But are we willing to do what it takes to get that? I mean, it's not a lot. You just got to let go. 
You've got to open your heart. You've got to open your mind. You've got to allow God to work through you. And you've got to allow Him to work through you to the point that you don't care if there's peace. You don't care if there's hope. You don't care if there's, if there's money, if there's, if there's not anything that's, that requires any long suffering. It's just every day you get up and your focus that day is, what can I do for you, God? What can I do for you, God? Not, what can you do for me? He's going to do it. He says it over and over again. I don't want none to fall. I don't want none to perish. What can I do for you, God? How can I do for you, God? If you don't leave with anything else today, leave with the fact that there is still hope. There always has been hope. And there always will be hope for us that are born again, that are saved. But do you not want to take somebody with you? I mean, the Bible's clear. Everybody's not going to hear. Everybody's not going to go. But do you not want to take everybody you know? Do you not want to take everybody that you don't know, that you meet? Again, what can I do for you? What can I do for you, God? What can we do for one another? Because I'm telling you, in the world we live in today, the only way we will change this world is we start doing. We start being selfless. We start standing. We start proclaiming. Not out of hatred. Not out of fist. Not out of guns. I mean, that, there's more guns on that mountain that I live, or that hill that we live on. And we ain't going to have no shortage of guns. So if y'all ain't got a gun, just come see us. But out of love. I mean, it's so much easier living the life that I live now, not having to look over my shoulder. Not having to be the tough one. Not having to fight today. Now I can just back up and let God fight my battles. That's the only way. The only way we're going to save this country from destroying itself is take it back. Take it back. Cole, you got us some music. Think about it. 